0: Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to Patreon dot com slash Sword and Laser.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont,
0: and I'm Tom Merritt.
1: Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you.
0: But there's no one just like you.
1: You're a unique and beautiful snowflake. Mm. I feel like I've said that before, too, on the show. Yeah, I
0: had a distinct sense (laughs) of deja vu just now. Yeah.
1: I think that'll happen after 468 episodes.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, sixteen years—is that right? You're unique,
1: but my intros may not be.
0: No, that's right. Our intros are less unique than you, because uniqueness also, is a gradient. <laughs> uniqueness is <laughs> a spectrum. Our
1: brains are getting old, <laughs> and we forget what we have talked about on the show I? sometimes. Who even are we? Well, I I know who you are, Tom, but I would love to know what you're nomming on this
0: week. Oh, this uh, today I was I was having a burrito bowl.
1: Mm, Tell me more.
0: Uh, It's got peppers and some carne asada and guacamole and sour cream and salsa and spices and corn nut crumble.
1: Corn nut. Wait, corn nut crumble? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. That's the twist. So this was,
1: that is a twist. So what <laughs> is the, wait, Is it? was this a recipe you got from a restaurant? I'm mean, A dish you got from a restaurant or did no, you no, make this? No, no, no. This, this
0: was uh, something we made in the Tavala.
1: Nice. Okay. All right. Did you have to buy the corn nuts specifically for this recipe or did it come as part of your
0: kit? It came as part of the kit. Yeah.
1: Still not sponsored by Tavala. I have to add, so I feel like we should probably at some point. Okay, Uh,
0: just to prove it, don't buy a Tavala. (laughs) See if we were sponsored, I wouldn't be allowed to say that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, or or maybe it's like a double. Double
0: oh, like, it's a, a, like a psychological it's a reverse psychological. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will never tell. Actually, we will. We're not sponsored by them. We'd <laughs> be happy to be sponsored. sponsored by them. To be honest,
1: give me money or a tavala. <laughs> but we Tom has one it. already. It's not fair. Yeah, Um, it's fine. I have no more counter space. I am. I am. I am full up on kitchen gadgets. Um, But I made a really good recipe that I would love to share um, from the New York Times cooking. Uh, guide pages it was halloumi uh with corn cherry tomatoes and basil Mm. and i was are you are you a halloumi guy do do you eat a
0: lot of no i don't do a lot of halloumi
1: halloumi is like my favorite cheese it's like uh it's a cheese that you can grill um some people call it it's kind of like it has a similar consistency to um like curds it's a little bit squeaky
0: like cottage cheese curds yeah
1: No, like, um, poutine curds. Yeah, sure. Like squeaky cheese. Well,
0: cottage cheese curds are like that in the big, large curd cottage cheese. If you just kind of pay attention to the curd, they are similar to the. Yeah. But you, it's hard to tell because you got all the whey.
1: I see. Um. <laughs> Coyote Brown says halloumi is approximately as expensive as antimatter. Um, I haven't found that to be true, um, but I I love halloumi. <laughs> it's it's the only grillable. halloumi
0: I experience. You is put it on salads. Me looking in the mirror. Halloumi.
1: Hello, me. Um, I yeah, but it was really good, and I was really excited too because I got to use my jalapenos from my garden. Ooh. I got to use basil from my garden, and I got to use one single cherry tomato from my garden because I was the only one that was ripe. All the other ones I had to, <laughs> had I to had buy. to buy. <laughs> yeah, not bad very, though. It was a different color. It was a different color than uh-huh. I was, it's ye- bright yellow, and all the other ones were red. So it was kind of fun to see it mixed in with the rest of the dish.
0: And You're like, that's um, mine. I grew that. That's one. That's
1: mine. I made that one. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a great dish, good good summer dish, uh, good veggie night meal. If you're delicious. if you're into trying veggie dishes, um, yeah, very good. All right, well let's uh, let's jump into the science fiction fantasy portion of this podcast with yeah. our quick burns.
0: Ruth, let us know that the shortlist for the British Fantasy Awards have been announced, and interestingly, the shortlist <laughs> for best novel is totally <laughs> different from the shortlist for both the Hugo. And World Fantasy Awards. Like,
1: completely different.
0: So if you're like, oh, here comes the same old nominees. Oh, no, no, no. We've got different nominees for you. Uh, And good ones, too. The Bone Orchard by Sarah A. Mueller. Cast Long Shadows by Kat Hellison. Glitterati by Oliver K. Longmead. The Oleander Sword by Tasha Suri. Path of War by David Green. I believe that's a different David Green than the one who used to play outfield for the St. Louis Cardinals in the late 1970s. This is the (laughs) author, David Green. Uh, And The Spear Cuts Through Water by Simone Jimenez. Each award is judged by a jury who are deliberating during the months of August, and the awards will be presented at the British Fantasy Convention in September. Ruth adds, "Last year, I had the very great pleasure of accepting the award for Best Magazine on behalf of Apex, and this year I'm on the jury for the award." Sweet, uh, better get read there, Ruth. Nice, congrats, that's awesome.
1: Wait, is Ruth is Ruth British? Yes. I don't think I knew Ruth. Are you British? I don't
0: know. Does it I matter? In the, Veronica. I, thought, I just
1: was curious. I just never occurred to me before. But that's it's pronounced Ruth, as Sarah says.
0: Yes, she's British. It's pronounced Ruth.
1: Ooh, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, that's cool. That I feel like that's maybe it's because it is the British Fantasy Awards that there's some um, you know just a little more opening it up to to different authors from the other awards that you may not normally see. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. I've heard good things about um, Oleander sword. I mean, yeah, we've read me Tasha's too. story before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, that's not the next book in that series that we've read. Is it? It might be Anywho, um I'm not sure. Don't, don't quote me on that one. Count zero or if says, only there uh, was a
0: way to find out.
1: I'm in the middle of a podcast, Tom. I can't Google everything right now, okay? I don't want to I don't want to step away from I'm just now Sequel I'm just killing time because I know that To the looking, Jasmine you know, Throne. Nailed it. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Thank you. Well, at least in this case it was actually proving me right and not proving me wrong, so I approve this message. Um, uh, count zero or again it says file 770 770. Mm. Throwback Four, five, has one. posted the, the winners of the 2023 CN Awards, the Japanese equivalent of the Hugo's. Seyun, uh, covering the things that you were able to read and watch in the U.S. Um, a new Japanese translation of the Foundation Trilogy under the title of The Rise and Fall of the Galactic Empire oh, okay. uh, won Best Translated Novel, while the Japanese translations of Sooner or Later Everything Falls into the Sea and The Wandering Earth won for Best Translated Short Fiction. The award for Best Media, which is uh, inclusive of film, TV, games, etc., went to Hideki Ano's uh, Shin Ultraman. And a full translated list of the nominees can also be found at file 770 right here. We'll put the links in the show notes.
0: That's a good one. Thank you, Count Zero, or, uh, for passing that one along, because that, that's going to expose some people to a few things that you definitely won't find listed in any other place. Jan said, for a magical summer. The Portalist has published an article on their favorite magic systems in science fiction and fantasy, from Assassin's Apprentice over the Mask of Mirrors to the Black Prism. Uh, So it starts, of course, with Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn. Uh, But yeah, if if you're like one of the people, and I know many of you are, who are into uh discussing the various merits of magical systems in the various worlds uh that we read you're going to want to check this out it's Jonathan Strange and Mr Norrell is evaluated here uh we've got the fifth season and K Jemison on this list Poppy, uh, Poppy War, War. interesting yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd say the Poppy War might be one of my favorites on here
1: um, I would like to be reminded, oh, Harnessing Powers from Psychedelic Substances and Martial Arts Techniques. Cool. Yeah. yeah I've, I kind of had forgotten what the magical system was in that book. It was
0: like a psychedelic um, wusha kind of thing. I love Sick.
1: It. Sick. That's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, I've been noticing a lot of a number of really good TikTok lists recently about like best fantasy books for this or best sci-fi books for that. And I've been adding a lot to my to-be-read list. Um, so that's been been kind of fun to get a whole new perspective. I mean, we are, as I've mentioned in the past, we're not known in the book talk world necessarily. Like we don't do anything on TikTok ourselves. And so I feel like book talk is like, for me, a whole new um, just realm of like mm-hmm. new personalities, new people, new ideas. And it's it's. I find it very exciting to kind of get out of the podcast space and jump into the book talk space because there's definitely some overlap, but I feel like I've discovered a lot of like new authors and series that way that I, I may not have discovered otherwise.
0: That's it. Yeah. Lots, lots, right. of, lots of different, no, lots <laughs> cool of different, story. sorry. No, I, I wasn't sure if you're done. Uh, lots of, di- lots of different voices, uh, on, on different platform, depending mm-hmm. on which platform you're at. So yeah,
1: totally. All right. Um, Mark says the big five remain the big five for now. Paramount agrees to sell Simon & Schuster to KKR, a private equity firm. As part of the deal, Simon & Schuster employees will receive an ownership stake in the company. Uh, KKR has also invested in another company in the book world, Overdrive, a digital reading platform used in libraries and schools, which we've talked about quite a bit on the show.
0: Yeah, a lot of people make a lot of assumptions about private equity firms when they take over stuff. Like, oh, they're they're just gonna try to cut costs and then flip it, uh, because there are definitely private equity firms that do that. I don't know anything about KKR, so I wouldn't immediately jump to the conclusion that they're gonna like slice Simon and Schuster to the bone. Uh, it is nice that the employees are receiving an ownership stake in the company. That that probably just means stock. So it probably doesn't mean a lot of influence over the direction of the company, right. um, but you know that's not a bad thing. Um, it would be interesting to see if KKR holds on to it, uh, packages it up with Overdrive and sells it to somebody else, or or what they do with it. But but it is not going to reduce competition for the moment. I think that's what some people are pointing to.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, Count Zero or mentions in the uh, discord chat that KKR is the one that bought Toys R Us in the U.S. with everything that entails.
0: When did um, they I buy think, it? Count Zero or <laughs> like that's a great after question. it went bankrupt or before it went bankrupt? Because that, that, you know,
1: I think I saw a Toys R Us pop up inside. Yeah, there, of I want to say a Macy's. Maybe. I know they're
0: reviving the brand. Uh, yeah, because there's a lot recently. of nostalgia around it.
1: I think it was when I was in the mall at, at, Bel- at Bellevue Bellevue Center um, a few weeks ago. And I was like, Toys R Us? Crazy. Uh, they, they bought, bought it, it before m- it went bankrupt.
0: Before it went bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> but it was okay.
1: probably on its way to already being bankrupt. I, you know, who knows if they made it go, uh, okay, all right. And I'm not going to jump in on things I don't know about. Let's stick to sci-fi fantasy. Mark says, Uncanny Magazine's Year 10, A Decade of Delightful Defiance Kickstarter now concluded past $55,000, activating a Scalzi stretch goal.
0: Ooh.
1: Essay is will be writing a column for every issue in Year 10. Holy moly. Uncanny is bi-monthly, so that's a grand total of six Scalzi essays. For the record, Scalzi will be paid $100 per essay. Uh, Kickstarter funding means that all contributors will be paid fair rates, just like Scalzi.
0: Well, Good on you, Scalzi. That's you're going to have to do, sp- you're not have to do well to get get uh, Scalzi on board, so that's, congratulations to them for doing that.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Um I'm like, how does he have time to do all this stuff? Is he going to like blog less on whatever, or is he going to (laughs) just, is he just capable of like, I guess he's just capable of that. That would stress me out so much, but I'm also not a full-time writer.
0: You know, if I had to guess, and this would just be a guess, uh, but we've already fulfilled our, our obligation to mention Scalzi in the podcast. So I'm going to go ahead. Um, he probably said, listen, I'd love to do this. I have only so much bandwidth and my bandwidth is worth this much. Um, So if, if you can get me that, then I will set aside the time. Uh, that's the way a lot of folks that are at, at his level of success do it. And they've got different rates for different things they want to do. Lower rate for something you want to do, higher rate for something you don't want to do. Um, so yeah, my, my guess is that that's why they were able to set that goal because he said, yeah, it'll, I can easily justify setting aside the time if I'm making this kind of rate. So that's good. hundred dollars per essay.
1: I, um, that's what I used to do when I was a freelancer. If, if people tried to get me to do, like, a speaking gig or, like, a social media yeah. engagement that I really didn't want to do, I would charge them. I would give them a rate that was, like, way further out than what I would ever charge anyone. Yeah. And only, like, it did happen once or twice where someone was like, okay. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> But okay,
0: there, <laughs> so I, I definitely had to be one, ready. I definitely had one like that where I was like, oh, I don't really want to do this, so I'm going to ask for something crazy, and they're like,
1: <laughs> I literally know problem. what you're talking about. I yeah. literally know the thing you're talking about. Yeah. I won't say it on the show, but I remember you being like, Well, I asked. For I guess this. I'm going to do it. Okay, so I guess I have to go here
0: now. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, bye. and it was fine. It actually yeah. went very well. I hung out with some very nice people and got paid a lot of money for it. So.
1: There you go. There you go. Know your worth. That's, yep. the, that's the name of the game. <laughs> Coyote Brown says, that nerdtacular was great.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Scott really, you know, he forked over for it. I just you... didn't
1: realize he had such deep pockets for no nerdtacular. Idea. It's really... Yeah. Something else. Something else. We made no, Santa laugh
0: with We're
1: just kidding. We, we no, would, it was definitely pay, not Scott. I, yeah. I did pay money to go to Nerdacular.
0: I'm pretty sure I also paid <laughs> yeah. money. Not a we, lot. We paid money you know, to paid go, for no. our own hotel and flight yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, I miss those days. Good mm, stuff. Indeed. All right. Uh, well, thank you to everyone who submitted stories for this week's Quick Burns. Uh, if you want to help submit some stories for the show, you can do so over on Discord or in our Quick Burns thread on Goodreads. All right, everybody, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience.
0: Chris K. ran across a listicle on Tor.com this morning. Mm. 21 thoughts, not rules, about reading habits. And Chris said, number two really spoke to me. Premium mass market paperbacks are an abomination. Give me an old-fashioned mass market paperback any day. I also agree with number one. I read every day, even if it's only a few pages.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's see. I agree with that. Premium mass markets. Those are very large. Yeah. I, I not trade, exp- not I,
0: trade paperback, not trade. They're, she's making a distinction. Yeah. Those like the big ones that have the like really thick covers, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're beautiful, but they are very difficult to hold and mm-hmm. read conveniently. Cause like with a paper, with a hard cover, you can at least prop it up on something. You know, you get that sturdy, get that sturdy backbone of a book and you can like look at it that way. Anyway, I digress. Um, This is a good one. If you find yourself dragging on a book, start reading another one in a different genre. Story collections are especially good for breaking up your time if you're invested in, say, a dense nonfiction work or a novel that requires you to come up for air every so often.
0: Mm, I like Um, it. Life is too short to finish every book you start.
1: That's true. I have a hard time with that one.
0: Once I start a book, I just I want to barrel on to the end.
1: It depends for me. I mean, we did invent lemming for a reason, um, but I yeah, I don't know. That's these are some fun points. Ian says I just saw a post that Mick Jagger was interested in performing at an SF convention in the sixties, but was turned down because he was a ruffian. That would have been an interesting filk moment.
0: Listen. Normally I would look at this and go, Ian, you know, let's not pass along gossip. If you, if you have a link to, you know, citation about this, please pass it along. But if you just heard it, it might not be true. In this case, I don't care. I love the idea. (laughs) that Even if it's not true at all. I love the idea that Mick Jagger would have become a filk musician. That's amazing. In some alternate reality, this actually happened.
1: I'm asking chat GPT, if they're familiar with the concept of filk. Can you write a filk song in the style, in the style of, of the Rolling uh, a great Stones?
0: Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, Mitt Jagger and Keith Richards are science fiction and fantasy characters. And I'm going to guess somebody's already done this. But if they haven't, uh, there should be a book in which we find out that they're both aliens. And that explains their talent and longevity. <laughs>
1: There, I just posted the song in the chat, but I don't actually know enough Rolling Stone songs to real Boom. to know which song this is about. Um, well, it's in so the style I mean,
0: of, so it's
1: in the style of, but yeah, I feel like it, it should come with a tune. Yeah, hey,
0: it's a space time shuffle, baby. Don't you know we're rocking through the galaxies, putting on a show? Aliens and wormholes—they're part of the scene in this interstellar boogie. We're the spacefaring dream. You Need to put that in the show notes too, so I can put it on the site, and then someone oh, can record it. Who knows how to was, play guitar? That was really so, fun.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Who says? So say, who says? Chat GBT can't be creative? I think that's pretty. It, it's not pretty creative freaking,
0: in the sense of like you know.
1: But it created something. You did. This didn't exist before.
0: You created.
1: I know it's predict. I know. I know you guys. I know. But I, this. Sometimes I want to anthropomorphize. I'm sorry. You I just can't love help Chad. myself. I
0: love Chad Gibbity. Chad Gibbity is really creative.
1: He's my, he's my guy. He's, <laughs> he's my, my guy. He's my guy. <laughs> he's my guy. <laughs> uh,
0: Paul said, I love that Tom follows the Canadian Football League, at least enough to know the BC Lions are doing well. But to say it's the NFL for Canada does miss a few fun details that Canadians love to tout as reasons the CFL is tougher than the NFL. Oh,
1: okay. And okay. I will say,
0: Paul, totally agree with you on all of these that we're about to read. I say, it's NFL for Canada to those who have no familiarity with it because it's the easiest way for them to wrap their heads around it. But Paul is 1,000% right, which is not even mathematically possible. <laughs> Listen to these three points. The field is 110 yards, not 100 yards. They could have just made it 100 meters, mm-hmm. but that would make mm-hmm. too much sense. No, it's 110 yards, and it's got a center line between the 250-yard lines.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Number two, the teams have three downs instead of four. To move up ten yards,
1: Tom is looking at me and like saying this really like intensely, mm-hmm. like as though I'm supposed to understand
0: why so this is different. Number one, longer field than the <laughs> NFL. Two, less time to to make your ten yards before you have to give the ball up. Three, mm-hmm. the ball's made of lead. The ball. Wait, the ball's made of lead. Paul finishes his email note. Some of these facts may not be true. <laughs>
1: Like lead poisoning, lead.
0: <laughs> like the ball's not actually made of lead, but it is 110 yards, and it is does only take three downs. Okay, that also. Seems uh, Paul starter? wanted to, Paul wanted to throw in. Babel is historical fantasy meets dark academia, in my opinion, in his opinion, in Paul's opinion.
1: Where Where did that come from?
0: There's a whole thread about Babel. <gasps> oh, Babel, being, yeah. the RF Kuang. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, got it. Uh, we have a um, we have a we have a dark academia uh, thread coming up actually, so we do. we'll get yeah.
0: we'll get more into that now, shortly. um, I do want to point out before we move off of this topic of the CFL that uh, after I told you to support your your hometown team, um did you?
1: What was I supposed to do?
0: Mm. Was that, there a that, game it, happening? It, yeah, so you didn't is what that tells me. <laughs> uh, they lost. To Winnipeg, what? and they are no longer, they're no longer they're no longer in first place. Oh, Winnipeg! Mm-hmm.
1: Will you buy me a gift? Will you buy me like a um a lion's something?
0: Like a toque?
1: Is this the? T- t- I know what a toque is. Is this the? Um, <laughs> I didn't
0: think you didn't.
1: <laughs> is this a um? G- what is the tweed about? Are they? Do they have tweed? Is their thing?
0: Tweed?
1: Someone in the chat said get my tweed on. Oh, that's about dark academia. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Tell my was responding to the earlier comments. <laughs> uh, I'll see if I can find you a nice BC Lions tweed jacket, though. That would be amazing.
1: <laughs> I was like, that's pretty sick, actually. That's cool. Yeah. That's like pretty ballsy you know i mean the tweed lions all right that's our that's our show title they're the tweed lions
0: (laughs) i can find tweed jackets or bc lions jackets i don't not having good luck finding (laughs) uh but the dark the dark academia of tweed lions yeah
1: oh my god oh my gosh all right all right, moving on. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> you all crack me up. You're so funny. Um, let's jump into the book of the month discussion. Speaking of dark academia, um, we are currently reading Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Um, this is a series, and the second book uh, recently came out uh, this past year. The second book within, is not
0: called Tenth House either.
1: It's not called The Tenth House. <laughs> your, no, that yeah. would be. Um And, yeah, so this will be non-spoilery as much as possible. We will assume that you perhaps understand the core tenets of the story. Um, It takes place in Yale. Uh, It's paranormally, I would say. Paranormal, horror, Mm -hmm. maybe fantasy. Um, It would be in that kind of category. And Alex uh, Galaxy Alex is a uh, very much a fish out of water um she has been mm. plucked from the streets of Southern California and brought into uh, the campus of Yale uh to be a participant in Leth um and I'm Lethe. not listening to the audiobook it's Lethe? Lethe. iffy it? yeah are you serious mm-hmm. I hate it I'm never gonna call it that in my brain <laughs> why I hate it I that doesn't make any sense to me
0: well why? But fits in what is it the mean? whole snobby the aristocratic yael I don't stuff. know
1: this word. What does this word mean? I'm it's sorry. Just, I, I think don't know it's this a, word. I thought it was
0: a person's name. Oh, it's, a, it's, gr- a Greek it's the Greek river. river. That's oh. right. Thank you, Tomahome. I almost forgot. Laith? Coyote lethe. Brown
1: says leith. Leith. Well,
0: the. the way they pronounce it in the audiobook is leithy.
1: Well, they also, I read an audiobook recently exactly, where they so. said <laughs> Malorica. So there's, you know, takes all kinds with audiobook narrators sure, sometimes. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, uh interesting things to know about Lee Bardugo. Uh, born in Jerusalem, raised in Los Angeles. So when you hear about Alex's uh backstory in Van Nuys uh and areas ar- around LA, uh kind of drawing from Lee Bardugo's actual youth, also she attended Yale um and was a member of the Wolf's Head Secret Society at Yale.
1: Who I accidentally said was not one of the eight great houses and is actually one of the eight great wow, houses.
0: that got to you, One huh? of the
1: eight houses, yeah. So apologies for that, for them, uh, to them, so yeah, I guess. Uh,
0: we are going to be non-spoilery, but we are going to talk a little bit about the book. So if you're like super spoiler allergic, you know, you've got like a nut allergy, but for spoilers, you know, you You don't want to be on the airplane when people open their packets of spoilers, then you might want to avoid this. But we're not going to spoil plot points or anything like that.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the plan anyway. Today's
0: comments Uh. are made on systems that may have previously been made with spoilers, but will not be (laughs) spoilery themselves.
1: Uh, So as always, uh, as as is our new trend, uh, we will kick things off with what are we nomming in Supernatural New England? Four in Ninth House, started by Jan. What are we nomming this month? Any food or drink you are having while reading Ninth House? Anything inspired by the book? What brings you in a New England mood? Lobster rolls? Snickerdoodles? Was there any food or drink mentioned? This is the thread for all those food and drink ideas we might have this month. Exciting. Uh, Jan says my cocktail recommendation is a fresh blackberry bramble to get Veronica's blackberry patches to good use. Oh, I can make this now. Oh, you
0: have all this the things. is exciting.
1: I have all the things. I never have all the things. All right. So this is 2 I'm going to make this. No, t- oh, I shouldn't make this tonight. I have like <laughs> another sinus infection coming on. No, um, no which sucks. Uh, two ounces of gin, one ounce of lemon juice, one ounce, simple syrup, and six to eight blackberries. Muddle the blackberries with simple syrup in the glass, add gin gin, and lemon juice, top with crushed ice, and stir. Garnish with more blackberries. Um, and he says, I love this cocktail with a lemon thyme, thyme gin I have. Um, and you can also do that with one ounce gin and one ounce limoncello and a sprig of thyme for garnish, following up on my recommendation from last month. Oh, that's so Nice.
0: Tessie Dave noted some of D'Alexander's favorites uh, that Dawes cooks for him. Uh, Avo golemno, a Greek soup made with eggs, lots of lemon and warm broth. Sounds very wintry. Uh, I'm not going to eat it in August maybe, but but it's got the right vibe. Uh, Also smoked salmon, egg and dill sandwiches. Uh, Very, very, very East Coast. This is taking place in Connecticut right? Your yeah, so full
1: disclosure. I am a uh, Connecticut is the land of my birth. Um, I am a, a nutmegger, a Connecticut. Um, and I have spent lots of time in new Haven, uh, never actually been on the Yale campus though, weirdly. Um, but I also spent a lot of time. I went to school in Boston. So I have also spent time at the Harvard campus. Um, so yeah, we have another thread where people were discussing kind of like the the societies and the vibes of being mm-hmm. at an Ivy League school, and so I'm very familiar with those types of people. Though I was not, I was not one of them uh, by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Your town, um, Belmont.
1: I'm town, <laughs> I'm town. Well, my my grandparents are actually from West Haven, so I almost was town. Oh wow! In a way. Yeah,
0: you really were. Huh? Um.
1: So yeah, I did. I did go down that way quite a bit.
0: Did you ever have um, any spooky lobster?
1: Spooky lobster Trike
0: suggested that or hunted clam chowder, wicked Duncans, and, uh,
1: wicked Duncans guy, <laughs> wicked Duncans. Um, I am a, I am a Duncan's fan. Medium regular is my, is my jam, um, or a good iced, but yeah. Oh man. I miss, I do miss the vibe of the East coast quite a bit. Like I feel like coastal new England is like very much in my bones as a person. Like I yearn for that. Mm-hmm. A lot. Mm-hmm. Like I miss I, that very much about my my upbringing.
0: I hadn't thought about it. This book is a combination of where you're from and where I am. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, there's not a lot of Los Angeles in this book, but the little bits that are, I like, I recognize. I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly where they are. You know, I know exactly yeah. what bus they had to take. I know exactly what 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 that drive on the 405 is like, and how. Impossible, it would seem to get back from Westwood to Van Nuys at that time of day, uh, if you didn't have a car. So yeah, yeah. Um, good, good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I don't know. I don't know. I am very like learning about the, the, uh, the different secret societies is pretty fun for me. Um, so this is a good thread. I think everyone thinks of clam chowder. <laughs> I think clam chowder is the food of note uh, for most of New England. That's fine. Um, and don't give me any of that Manhattan bull crap. I'm not here for it. I don't want to look at it. Mm, I am mm-hmm. disgusted by it. It is not in any sense of the imagination a chowder, um, in my opinion. Um, and I'm going to die on that
0: hill. You have that right.
1: I have that right. I have that right. Okay, um, so now let's get into our dark academia thread. Um, this one was started by Ruth, uh, or Who as you may may pronounce their British. name, um, Ruth. <laughs> Ruth says, <laughs> minor spoilers for early chapters. I haven't hidden them. So early chapter stuff, I read through this, and I felt as though all of this is pretty happens pretty early, and this it's This is
0: almost book jacket kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, Ruth said, "I read this book last year. Finished it just before Halloween. In fact, and in my review, I commented that it really puts the darkness into dark academia. The hospital bed invitation to come to Yale to join mm, Lethe? Lethe is like a Lethe? Lethe is like a dark version of the letter from Hogwarts. With Alex's ability to see greys, i.e., creepy ghosts, her magic powers at Yale. It turns out that magic rituals are real." but involve gross things like delving into intestines. Meanwhile, we have murders, drug use, sexual assault, a whole bunch of trigger warnings. What I really liked about this book was the way it features both the allure of academic, academic life, the secret societies, the privilege, and of course access to all those books, and the dark side. The magic is essentially a representation of the way wealth and power are perpetuated through the Ivy League with a few useful people allowed in. What do you all think?
0: For um. sure. And then Robert Robert pointed out how many uh, books we've read that are academia, uh, Poppy War, mm-hmm. Fourth Wing, ju- just read Fourth Wing, uh, yep. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Slash Sorcerer's Stone, House by the Cerulean Sea. I wouldn't have thought yeah. of that one. Good, 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 good catch, Robert. Um, and then was wondering if we've read any others. Uh, Terp Kristen added the Magicians, which we read a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Updraft uh, and. Jade City has a. a it has academy. a school in like, it. Like that's that's a good yeah. point, Trike. because, like there's a kind of an essential part of Jade City that involves the school, but then it doesn't stick around for the series, and it's not the thrust of the book. But that's that's in there. Um, I like
1: the ones that that Tomohomi and Tazzy Dave brought up too. The Rook, which is a secret yeah. organization. So similar vibe.
0: Not uh, not school, but got an academy kind of vibe because it's a secret organization. Well,
1: yeah, she, And yeah. also she came into it not really knowing, yeah, like she had to be yeah, taught. Yeah. So definitely. it was like, well, she didn't have to be taught. She was expected to know mm-hmm. because she wasn't, yeah, who she thought she was. Um, Ender's Game has Battle School, Name of the Wind. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, has a university for teaching magic-like abilities. I think that's more in like, was that more book two? That it was more about the school, I feel, or was that book one? Yeah, I can't remember. I
0: can't remember the dividing line. I think it does come in Name of the Wind, but more of it is in, in the second book. You're right.
1: Rivers of London is a secret part of the British police force. Mm-hmm. And The Invisible Library, also a secret organization, uh hunting dangerous books. So there's kind of like good balance of um, you know, schools teaching magic, secret societies, mm-hmm. like all of these things kind of blending together. I'm, I don't think any of these, honestly, oh, this is so embarrassing. I feel like the closest one to another like dark academia book is probably Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter has maybe the most like dark academia vibes for me.
0: Not fourth wing?
1: No. You know where you're dying all the time? (laughs) It's more battle school. Like I feel like yeah. there's like a dark academia a and then there's like dark a battle academia school and just
0: brutal, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm. I think No, that's true. This is a good question. Like what are what what does make dark academia? I'm sure there is a I think
0: you have to have a nice layer of mysteriousness, right? Mysterious. There's, there's a Tom very says, Tweed. There's, a, there's a very clear <laughs> similarity. There how many books do you imagine are on the walls in fourth wing versus Ninth house, ninth house. Definitely books, more in ninth house. There's books everywhere. Yeah. right? Fourth wing. I never really thought about books much, except talk, when she, she, went she went into. into the, she was a
1: scribe. You did, well, okay. You,
0: can I finish?
1: I interrupted you. <laughs> no, I interrupted you. Except
0: when she went into the library, right? Mm-hmm. Like when she went into the library, then we got. Then it started to feel more dark academia. But most of the time, yeah, she's out in battle areas, whereas ninth house and Harry Potter. You're always surrounded by bookish yeah. kind of things.
1: I feel like I feel like even when they were in the library in um in fourth wing, it wasn't dark academia library style.
0: Yeah. They they you they know? were sort of in there. It was cool. It had a very bookish vibe, but they were kind of in there in order to get out of there. Yeah. Never in there to enjoy it.
1: If you're I feel like the the um, Undercity in World of Warcraft, mm. very dark academia.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Dark lady, right? look, watch over us.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I uh, Oh, Sarai
1: yeah. says his dark materials. We did read The um, Golden Compass. That was the first dark book academia. we read. That's the first book we ever read, yeah. yeah.
0: That was the um, only book very, we didn't do a podcast about.
1: Yeah, very, very definitely dark. I would say that's, yeah, borderline dark academia for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'd love to do a thread on this. Like what are your favorite dark academia books? Because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm more into that right now than I am into um cozy core. Cottage core. Cozy core? Cozy time.
0: Cozy time. Core. Cozy, cozy, core? time.
1: <laughs> cozy time.
0: <laughs> Cottage coes.
1: Cottage coes. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh John Talone says, Reading through the first few chapters of Ninth House, I'm thinking, did the author have a write up on my life? because I felt like I Mm. knew these people. Certainly, I knew the situations. I grew up in suburban Boston, so the references for me were Harvard instead of Yale, but they're both bastions of privilege. If you believe teachers, it's a meritocracy with admission based on grades, test scores, and extracurricular activities. What a joke. The Ivy League exists to perpetuate money. The tanned boy of a thousand second chances, fresh in from a tropical vacation over winter break, Mm -hmm. knew a guy just like him. Some of the Boston Brahmins slummed in our high school between prep school and Ivy League educations. Actually, I beat him both in grades and as for test scores, a good 200 points on each section of the SAT. He was from a Brahmin, Mayflower-descended family. Guess which one of us got into Harvard? (laughs) All in all, I think I prefer the outright snobbery of the private school alums who at least are not pretending to be anything else. The bit about Skull and Bones engaging in insider trading in a technical sense, perhaps the alums do that. It's more like they consider it the kind of accommodation one aristocrat offers another. A tough, tough, tough. He goes goes on. He goes on. It's good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. If you want a good (laughs) rant about snobbery, uh, go read the rest of this from John Deloney. Well done.
1: Yeah, I think, um, yes, I can definitely understand that vibe for sure. Although I knew more people who were in like the Connecticut prep school scene, who probably was a direct pipeline into into Ivy League colleges like Loomis Chaffee and places like that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty funny, uh, but no, it's true. It it does perpetuate a cycle, and you know, even if they, it's it's definitely like, yeah, I feel like even if you. And I wonder how MIT is in this regard, because I feel like he he mentions later on like a lot of like the STEM students that get into Harvard and like Mm. they may get the degree, but not the pedigree. I feel like I don't know if MIT was that way, too. I know it's not an it's not an Ivy League, is it? Is MIT considered an Ivy
0: League? It's not Ivy League. It's not in the Ivy League. It's not in the Ivy League, right? It's certainly considered to be prestigious like Ivy League. But I, I, mean, wonder, I wonder. There's how Ivy League and Ivy is. League, right? There's the actual colleges that are in the Ivy League, like Brown, right. Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, Harvard, Penn, Princeton, and Yale. But then there's Ivy League in the sense of like, oh, a very prestigious school, which MIT certainly qualifies.
1: Mm. But yeah, I wonder. I wonder how MIT was in that regard. I, I know a lot of people because you know, having worked in the tech industry for for so long, I, I meet a lot of MIT former MIT folks. Or people Mm -hmm. who are MIT dropouts um, more so than Harvard and Yale graduates.
0: Let me tell you, Yale Business
1: School, however, different. A lot of MBAs from Yale Yale Business School.
0: Let me tell you uh, my perspective on this, (laughs) as someone who has been to the East Coast, of course, but I I didn't grow up there or live there. uh, This this all translates to me in different ways. Uh, the snobbery, the it does. I I Ivy League, sure. I guess I don't have any direct experience with it, but I'm like, oh, we have a four year private. It now university was college when I was growing up. Uh, that fostered a sense of exclusivity and snobbery. It was it was a free Methodist college. Uh, But there was very much the idea of like, well, if you're one of us and you're part of the church and you know people, then we might let you in. And so I identify all of that stuff in a very different way, in a way that's Midwestern and religious. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I see the reflection of this kind of snobbery. Obviously, Greenville University, very different (laughs) from Yale in its influence in the world. But I'm like, oh, I kind of get that. Also, Chicago has a sort of relationship with Illinois, the rest of Illinois, that is very similar to the relationship of Yale and the town. And I went to a university of Illinois, which state school, but also know that relationship of definitely a university in town. So even though I have no experience with this, I definitely know these kinds of situations. And the one thing I'll tell you is I applied to Princeton and MIT. Didn't get into Princeton, got into MIT. Didn't go to either one of them because I couldn't afford it. <laughs> so mm. University of Illinois for me. Um, but but yeah, so I feel like MIT has a lot more. I mean, obviously I feel this way because of that, but I, I do feel like MIT is very much about merit and the Ivy League schools are very much, uh, much about connections.
1: Yeah, well, I just looked it up and there's so much. It says MIT and Stanford are not Ivy League but rank better than Harvard of the American universities in the QS world university ranking rankings. For example, the highest place Ivy league university, Harvard is third beaten by non Ivy universities. And they're more tied together because of sports Mm -hmm. than historically. Yeah. Stanford's a great example where
0: like, it is essentially Ivy league in so many ways, but Mm -hmm. it's not actually part of the Ivy league.
1: Yeah. 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 Anywho, interesting topic. Thanks, everybody. Um, I only applied to one school. I went to Emerson College and I applied there early action. And that is where I went to.
0: Now, that's an interesting situation because Emerson is its own class of college, right? Like Emerson, and, liberal Oberlin, arts college. Emerson yeah. and Oberlin. Emerson and Oberlin. But I consider those to be these sort of private East Coast I don't know what the word is for them, but there there's an exclusivity air about them, right? Of mm-hmm. like, oh, you you know, that's a cut above to be be able to go to those schools, to be accepted yeah, into those
1: schools. I was very fortunate, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 certainly much harder now, I think, to get in than it was when I was in college. Like, I don't know if I if if me if me with my grades and my all my stuff, if I applied now, would have gotten in, <laughs> but. But I'm happy I went there regardless. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good school. All right, folks, uh, that wraps up this episode. Thank you to everyone uh, who currently helps support the show, um, our patrons. If you want to help support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser.
0: You can also support the show by buying books. I mean- Seriously, just, go, just buy buy some, books anyway. go buy some books. Or, that, or yeah. rent books, you uh, know, whatever. You know, we have some links to books uh, in the show notes and and in our swordandlaser.com picks section as well.
1: Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, the email as always is feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and on threads at Sword And you can join in on all the discussions over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser or on our Discord. You can find more info on our website. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.
0: This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com.